Hello world and welcome to Surveillance Report 15, your weekly source of privacy and security news. To catch the show every week, make sure you are subscribed, whether you're listening to the podcast or the video on YouTube. Today's Surveillance Report is featuring ProtonMail, one of the most reputable privacy-based email providers on the market with an excellent track record, even being recommended by PrivacyTools.io. If you want simple email security and privacy, check out ProtonMail using our link in the description. It's a great service. This week's news is very short since our last report came rather late on Wednesday. We'll cover company news, including facial recognition and some drama related to the internet archive, research revolves around light bulbs, politics were China heavy with some other news in the US and the Netherlands, and our misfits include some students with BB guns and a lot of football fans. That one's fun. So let's go ahead and start, as always, with company news. Facial recognition has been a hot word this week as Amazon has announced it's pausing police use of its facial recognition technology for one year. Amazon has previously defended their use of the tech, more or less denying its problems, but have partially caved from pressure likely caused by recent George Floyd protests in the United States. Amazon has said, quote, we hope this one year moratorium might give Congress enough time to implement appropriate rules and we stand ready to help if requested. IBM and Microsoft have also made similar moves, announcing they will be, quote, limiting the use of facial recognition systems to police departments until there is more federal regulation. As nice as it is that these companies are evaluating the issues involving less accuracy with facial recognition used on people of color, it doesn't seem like these halts are out of privacy concerns. So looking at this from a strict privacy perspective, it doesn't seem like this was any concern behind these actions, unfortunately. The Internet Archive aims to be an online library, digitizing millions of web pages, movies, photos, recordings, programs, and books that might otherwise disappear in history. Unfortunately, four major book publishers have responded to the Internet Archive's book offerings by suing them. If they are successful, the nonprofit archive could go bankrupt. The publishers don't seem to be concerned with the effects on the entire archive, despite only being affected by its book library. I'll confidently say, screw book publishers and how DRM is handled on digital books. If I legitimately buy an ebook, I should have the same rights to do what I want with the book, like I do a normal physical book, like sharing it with my friends, or reading it on a device that isn't normally supported by whatever account I purchased the ebook from. But this isn't the case at all. There is no user control over ebooks. Book publishers in general are vultures, so let's hope this doesn't unfairly take down the entire internet archive. There does seem to be a lot of people aiming to both back up and replace the internet archive in the event it is shut down, so that is quite reassuring. That's all we had this week for companies, so yeah, it was very simple. Let's go ahead and move on to research, which only had one article. The Lamp Phone is a real-time passive sound recovery from light bulb vibrations. <laughs> what is that? It essentially allows for audio eavesdropping with an optical sensor which analyzes a hanging light bulb's frequency response to sound. The reason this works is because fluctuations in the air pressure on the surface of the hanging bulb in response to sound can cause the bulb to vibrate ever so slightly, which can be exploited by eavesdroppers to recover speech and singing. 
passively, externally, and in real time. This is absolutely insane and goes to show that when there's a will, there's a way. There is almost nothing that can't be used to identify you. It just comes down to how much time and energy someone has to spend. That was the only research article, but I like to think it was quite interesting. So let's go into politics. China was the main headline this week. First, Zoom has complied with Chinese authorities to block the accounts of several US and Hong Kong-based Chinese activists for holding events commemorating the anniversary of the 1989 Tiananmen Square massacre in China. This ties with previous scrutiny of Zoom's ties to China and how it could affect its users. Zoom is saying that they tried not to block individual accounts, but rather entire geographies that don't comply with certain rules, which they didn't have the capability to do, now they can. This is all solving the entirely wrong problem, as people don't want companies caving into government demands created to silence citizens. Not that they blocked the individual accounts, that's not really the concern here. On a similar note, Pocket Casts and Castro, Two podcasting apps both refused to comply with restrictions on their content at the request of Chinese authorities. So, Apple stepped in and did it for them by removing the apps altogether on the Chinese app store. Apple has a notorious history of enabling strict censorship within China, as well as many other companies around the world. If you ask me, there should be a lot more accountability on these companies to hold their values and not succumb to enabling arguably violations of human rights outside US borders to maintain their persistent profits, right? So values over profits, but not many companies actually take that to heart. To come back within US borders, police departments around the country have been utilizing another new nifty surveillance software called BriefCam, which utilizes facial recognition and surveillance video analysis. This has the ability to offer surveillance on protesters and enforce social distancing without the public knowing. And if you watch the demo video, it's actually really cool. It can filter things over the course of hours of footage, like red pickup trucks or women with backpacks. It's like the Google Photos searching feature, but for surveillance videos and facial recognition. As cool as it is, it's super scary and being implemented with little oversight, sparking a lot of concerns and calls for the technology to be halted. If you have a few extra minutes, I would go check out their YouTube channel. They have lots of demos that are pretty scary to watch that apply to cars driving on the road to retail stores. In the Netherlands, supposedly citizen cell phone data has been tracked for COVID-19 without being disclosed to the public, and when they were never supposed to, as that violates regulations. This article was written in Dutch, so I hope I cover this correctly. There has been a bill passed now which allows this data collection legally, but it seems the tracking was taking place before that was passed. Again, I would read this yourself if you're Dutch, since I may have misunderstood some of the article through the translation. That finishes politics this week. Let's move on to our final category, which is the misfits. Our first story comes from a teacher who called the police on an 11-year-old student because she saw what she thought was a gun in the background of a class teleconferencing meeting. The school called the police and they investigated the home, finding it was just a BB gun. The school stuck to their guns <laughs> by saying their policy for no weapons on campus applies to video conferencing as well. Naturally, the parents are not happy about this and have come public with the story as this raises several concerns behind privacy as well as how rules are implemented with remote learning. This is overall a pretty crazy story. 
Our final Misfits and final story of the week is apparently on New Year's Day 2020, during the Rose Bowl football game in Pasadena, California, fans were being watched as they entered the stadium by facial recognition systems in place by an ad tech company called VSB LTY. Visibility without the eyes. Just big brother eyes instead. This was obviously never disclosed, people were never aware or suspected anything, and there were 30,000 points of data of how attendees looked at advertisements, their gender and age, as well as an analysis to try and identify weapons or whether they were on a watch list of suspicious persons. Of course, this is fully legal and has no consequences, as we are in the United States, which has little to no regulation over user privacy. This is a perfect story demonstrating why the fight for privacy is so important, as where is the line drawn? At what point will you be flagged at your child's soccer game because of similar technology being implemented there? How about your home, your school, all without disclosure or your consent? This is a serious problem, and that is where we'll leave off the surveillance report this week. If you liked this episode, make sure to give us a positive rating on the podcast or give us a like on the YouTube channel. Make sure to subscribe to catch next week's report to keep up with the security and privacy news. As always, a major shout out to our patrons who support our work to spread privacy and security to the masses. Thank you so much. Lastly, don't forget this episode is brought to you by ProtonMail. So if you're looking for an easy, simple method for private and secure emails that you can send to anybody, even if they don't use ProtonMail, that's still encrypted, check them out in the description. They're a great service and it's something I use day to day, as well as many other privacy advocates. Thanks for watching everybody and I'll see you next week.